Well, hello and welcome to the Transfix Take On. I'm your host, Jenny Ruiz, and today I'm joined by the wonderful Blythe Brumley, who is giving us her take on the logistics of authentically good marketing in the trucking industry. So to give you a little bit of background, Blythe got her start in freight marketing as an executive assistant working for a large 3PL in North Florida, where she then took on the company's digital media strategy. Since then, Blythe has built a name for herself in the industry through her company, Digital Dispatch, helping freight companies get online and grow. And of course, you all know her from her successful podcast, Everything is Logistics. Now, Blythe and I, I feel like we share an affinity for bringing authentic, insightful, and hopefully entertaining side of marketing to trucking. And I'm excited to sit with you today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. A plus intro, by the way. <laughs> you nailed it. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you. I feel like Dude, you're a trailblazer in this industry. Like, I think you were probably one of the first podcasters in trucking, if I'm not mistaken. We're going to give you that title regardless. <laughs> I'll take it, even though I know there was a couple other, but they're more uh, a supply chain, just supply chain. Yeah. So let's talk supply chain, Sarah Barnes Humphrey, and then also a supply chain queen. I, I can't forget uh, Sherry over there. So I think they, they were definitely before me, but I, I was right on their tails right after. I love it. So, you know, Blythe knows her stuff. I'm not going <laughs> to come in here and give stuff. She knows everything. I want to, you know, you have such an interesting background and I really want to get into that. I mean, look, in trucking, right, marketing often seems to be kind of like the last team to have a seat at the table. But I feel like you've really created a lane for understanding why marketing is critical to the lifeline of a business, and so especially in a market as wild as this one. When did you realize this was your calling? Oh, gosh, I so I actually started at a 3PL as an executive assistant, and I actually started up a sports and entertainment blog on the very same day. So I was a waitress before and I was supposed to launch my website when I was working as a waitressing job. That yeah. job didn't work out as you know, I think a lot of surfing jobs don't got a job as an executive assistant because I always thought that I would be somebody who would not be behind a computer screen, you know, nine hours out of the day. And, you know, here I am, of course, now. But I took that role because I thought that I would be able to do a bunch of different things and, and be able to upskill in a variety of different areas. Because I was I'm 26, I didn't know what I really wanted to do, except for that sports and entertainment blog. And so when my boss found out about what I was doing, he was a former truck driver who worked his way up to CEO of the company of several different trucking companies, actually. So when he found out that I had that side hustle, he absolutely like took me under his wing and, you know, paid for me to go to all of these different marketing conferences. This was when social media was just starting up. So this is like 2009, 2010, yeah. I think Twitter launched in like 2008. Um, so it's very new, especially from the transportation landscape um, to be involved with, with social media and just the concept of inbound marketing. Cause it was all just cold calls, cold calls, you know, buy this email list off of Zoom info. And that's yep. what marketing strategy was back then. So he really took me under his wing and really, you know, helped me to to realize the I, I think the the benefits of having an inbound marketing approach and not necessarily bugging people, you know, a hundred times a day, you know, calling people on the phone um, and just being that extra. We still did it. Don't get me wrong. Like we still <laughs> did that as a brokerage. But then on the flip side, being able to invest in these different strategies, I think, really helped me learn by just trial by fire. And then it really helped me to use almost 
my own website and sports and entertainment as sort of the, the testing ground. And then yeah. when something would work well there, then I would incorporate it into the full-time gig and what we were doing on our website and, and other social media platforms that we were a part of. So I think that that's really where the catalyst of where I was, I, I never considered myself a marketer before, but mm -hmm. during those moments, and especially when you're essentially a one person marketing team as an executive assistant, which so many roles in transportation are and in trucking is, is you are, if you are lucky enough to have a marketing department, it's typically one person. It's very rare to have that multiple person marketing team. And so the, the content that I create now, the, the things that I talk about now are really trying to help who I was, you know, maybe 10 years ago in that position that still just permeates throughout the industry. So the blog guys, girls, right? Mm -hmm. The name of it. Okay. Well, okay. Guy, guys, girl, if you, the guys, girls is like a, <laughs> never mind. Yep. Guys, guys girl. Got it. <laughs> yep. Don't want to go down that path. <laughs> what do you feel like was the most unexpected learning from, from owning that blog and creating content there? I think it was the opportunities that were given to me by simply just covering the things that I liked and covering, you know, my favorite sports teams or like my favorite video games back when I had the time to actually play video games, yep. <laughs> um, things like the, you know, nerdy culture, things like that, that are so just common nowadays. You know, I really started that blog with the idea that I wanted to teach my friends about the things that I enjoy, you know, very egotistical. <laughs> And then with social media, I, I really discovered that there were so many other women out there who mm. enjoyed the same things I did. And so that's where the, the voice of that blog evolved to where I don't have to teach these women about the things that I love. They already enjoy it. They already love it. Let's just share in that love together. And so mm. with Guys Girl in particular, I, I took a really strong focus on talking about the, the female fans within the industry that were growing at a rapid pace. You know, not just I was took a hard stance against like all of the pink washing of all of the the merchandise that was just so prevalent in, you know, early sports days, it, especially among my friends. Like we would have these nights right before a football season because we were all season ticket holders, about 10 of us, all women. And we would have these nights before the season started where we would buy all of these clothing in, in men's sizes and then rework them into women's clothing. So we would actually have something to wear to the games that wasn't pink washing. And that was something that was actually, you know, looked like we were fans of our team, like real fans of our team. So it was a really strong focus on the female fan and that perspective. And then also on a lot of the women that work within sports and entertainment and the roles that they serve and how those roles can evolve from, you know, just being someone that reads the news into somebody that can actually give commentary and give opinions on what's going on in the world of sports. So that that was what I, I still remain like very proud of that. Even though I don't actively publish to it anymore, I, I still remain very proud of that brand. And it's so amazing to be able to see you know, all of the different sports shows nowadays and all of the different platforms um, that now just they're just women talking about sports. It's not necessarily a novelty anymore. And it's really amazing to see that growth over a decade. You know, what's great. It's so nothing bothers me more than pink washing when it comes to sports sportswear. And so I not to get into it, but like I look at someone like Rihanna, who's really made a name for herself with taking the Super Bowl as a way to build a cool jersey that we can all enjoy. That's like a cool oversized fit or a fit that we want. So I love that, that that was something that you captured early on. 
Yeah, I mean, it really was because uh, back when I, I left or unfortunately the logistics company that I worked for closed down, I went and worked for a local magazine. And I still remember to this day of us doing a Jaguars themed photo shoot. And a lot of the, the social media people for in charge of uh, that were working at the team at the time brought in all of this pink merchandise oh. and I absolutely vetoed it. And I said, absolutely, it's not going in to Good. these magazine shoots. It's not, we're not doing this. We don't need to do this to cater to female fans. I love that. But you know, what made you really decide to take that full leap of faith and really double down on becoming a full-time podcaster and marketer? And I, I feel like we kind of touched on it already, but how did you, how did your past uh, play a role in, in your work today? I think there are so many similarities of what happened early on in sports media to what's happening right now in logistics media. And yeah. I, I saw it as an opportunity to, because with sports in particular, you know, the, your competition gets younger and cheaper every single year. And it's a, it's an org, it's an industry that people will always work for free in order to get accolades. And as I got older, it's like, well, I can't really, I got to pay my bills. You know, I, I have investments I want to make, you know, you grow up a little and, and you, money becomes important. And so for, for me, I saw it as a lack of voices within the transportation space, especially for, from a female's perspective. And I thought that I could really make that shift and that the industry media wise had grown up a little bit more to support that, you know, from a financial perspective. And then also from just an attention perspective. Um, so I would say probably about three years ago or four years ago, I went out on my own, started up Digital Dispatch, and the podcast became a way for me to connect with other people. I had already done that with sports and being able to connect with other people that way. So this was a really um, important strategy for me to take, to be able to talk to, I use the podcast as an excuse to talk to people smarter than me because I'm a sponge, I'm, you know, power of curiosity, all that stuff. Like I really use that, I guess, I get personality traits is maybe the best way to put it uh, to in order to facilitate those conversations with people who are in the trenches as well and who you can roll their sleeves up and, and get a little dirty and then share those stories about those lessons that they learned. And so it's a lot of the same storytelling, which is I think is fascinating. You know, the, the, a lot of the same stories that are being told in sports are now being told in logistics. And it's, it's really fascinating to watch the parallels between the two. And there's so many, right? Because I think that like, if you really think of, especially when you look at like rate breakdowns, tender rejections, weather watch, all of it, you can sort of do it as if you're doing a gameplay, right? Yeah. And it, it's really, it's like watching your own film and, and and making improvements where you see fit. And it also signals to, I think that the overall psychology of, of the country and the purchasing habits. And, you know, we've seen all of the, the, the influx of, you know, what people buy and then also, you know, people panic buy and what they hoard. And I just think it's in, endlessly fascinating to be able to use trucking as a barometer of where the psyche of the country is at. Oh, that's such a good way to put it. I like that. It's so true, though. And I, I don't think that until you're in this industry, you don't really realize it. And I feel like the public kind of got a sense in 2020 when like they were toilet paper hoarding and all the other things where people were just like, oh, wait, there are people that bring our packages to grocery stores and to my door. I should probably think about, you know, the livelihood of them and how right. we impact them. Right. And it's little things too that I've, I've started noticing, like, you know, around Christmas time that people will put, you know, snacks and water out for, you know, Amazon delivery drivers and, and, and people like that. And I just think that those little things go so far 
And if only we could take it a little bit farther, you know, which is common decency, like shippers, you know, letting truckers use the bathroom whenever they finally arrive to the location or um, public parking or not public parking, but just truck parking in general, um, having a greater respect for not only those folks, but like the merchant mariners who are on ships for, you know, 60 days at a time and they don't see their families and they're stuck in confined, small confinements and they're, they're moving those goods across oceans and lakes and rivers. And I just, I, I think that there is still so much more that needs to be done that, you know, even with the, the growth of media in this space, I still feel like we're barely scratching the surface. But I think I do think that, you know, podcasters and also just marketing in general puts the light on that, right? They shed the mm -hmm. light on the fact that there are so many disparities when it comes to the partnership between shippers and carriers these days that I don't think that people even cared to mention it mm -mm. really even before the pandemic, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's really it's a lot of these you're, you're especially for brokers and carriers, you're at the mercy of shippers. And yeah. I think that for a little while there, you know, that the, the pendulum swung in the in the direction of the brokers and the carriers and the shippers were kind of, you know, in desperate needs. We saw the dramatic increase in pallet prices and yeah. containers that you couldn't get it, even if you paid twenty thousand dollars for it. It used to be two thousand dollars. You know, pallets went from you know maybe a hundred bucks to twelve thousand. I mean, ridiculous pricing that these shippers were paying, and I think the pendulum has swung back in the other direction. And I just hope that they have learned some of those lessons and aren't—I don't want to say vindictive, but aren't. I guess maybe it's human nature that they would yeah. think like, okay, now's the time. I'm going to save my money and get my money back. And you know, from those relationships, I just hope that you know, maybe with the pendulum swinging so far in one way and now the other way that, you know, it'll go back towards a little bit more closely to the middle as we kind of, you know, come out on the other end of, of this, you know, pandemic that has just wreaked havoc across the globe for the past few years. I think that there is, there's signals to the relationship getting better. But like you said, we still have a long way to go. Yeah. You know, at least the, we were at a starting point at the very least. I, I think just common decency is is probably the, the first thing that comes to mind. But I think it's also a little bit on 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 some of these truckers too to, to call each. And I have seen that on social media where they're, you know, calling other, calling each other out and, you know, don't be gross at, you know, a shipper's location because then those things won't happen. But then that there's a little bit of push and pull there because with the from the shippers perspective they don't want to deal with some of this stuff but neither do the drivers who you know maybe aren't as as you know a little bit out there as some of these other drivers but it's also it's just a common decency that i think needs to be afforded to to everyone within the industry and you you treat those bad apples on a case by case basis as they should be treated 100% and i think there's also there's this mental health component to working in the trucking industry that often goes uh, overlooked because it's all about getting that load to point from point A to point B. And we forget how much it takes to sit yes. in a truck and sit there for often, you know, I think what is the third 12 hours on end without stopping? That's a, that's a lot. It's thinking about driving even short term for two hours in a, in a standard four wheel vehicle is, is daunting. So imagine what that's like when you're responsible for, you know, tons of cargo. 100% because then, I mean, you don't even think about some of the lifestyle choices that the, these drivers now have to make too. It's it's nearly impossible to find, you know, a healthy meal on the road. You oh, also yeah. have to worry about, you know, even uh, something that came to mind, I think it was Ingrid Brown that was talking about, you know, the, the, the cancer rate for the left-hand side of your arm, just because that's the arm that's sitting on the driver's side mm -hmm. door. And so they have to think about, you know, putting sunscreen on that part of their body every day, because that is another concern. 
learn um, that there are, you know, solutions coming to the mix, you know, supply chain fitness, Mark Monera is does yeah. a great job of this. You're just trying to bring more awareness to the lifestyle of a trucker, which I think was glamorized for a long time, but yeah. now has sort of deter deteriorated with the food or lack of food, healthy food options that are out on the road. And, you know, common decency going back to, you know, even shippers offering, you know, just common things that you typically should a bathroom for God's sakes, water or a cup of water, like yeah. something that, you know, can allow these folks to, to do their job better and more efficiently and also respect their time. Because I think that's another big one um, that their, their, their time isn't being respected. And, and once we start bringing awareness to some of these things, you know, seeing the encouragement behind it and, and seeing some of these companies now waking up to it, you know, maybe they didn't think they were being assholes, but Right. Sorry if I can't cuss on this. No, that's thing. fine. Go for it. <laughs> but I mean, that that's typical like asshole behavior is to treat people like that. And yeah. so I think that once that awareness is kind of brought to light, then it gives people the opportunity to change. I mean, honestly, I couldn't have said it better than you. Right at this point, that's that is just part of the that should be just part of the organizational flow mm -hmm. when you're at a shipper and, and receivers um uh facility. And it's interesting because I was talking to a truck driver not too long ago who said, I just want someone to ask me how I'm doing. <laughs> like, that's all I really want. And bare minimum. Yeah, bare minimum. You know, I want to shift gears just for a second. I, you know, I, you're such a, a marketing machine and you do it all by yourself. And you mentioned this earlier on. What happens when inevitably, because we all experience mm -hmm. this, what happens with burnout? How do you handle that? How do you get out of that? I, so I have a, 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 I'm lucky to live next or near to a beach. Um, not oh. as close as I used to live. I used to live four minutes away. Now I live about 20 minutes away, which, you know, smallest violin cue it. Um, <laughs> that has been my place. I've got that. My mom has taken me to this particular beach since I was four or five years old. And all I do is I take headphones and I take a notebook and I just go out there and I just give myself permission to not work. And I think for me, I've just been, I, I come from a blue collar family. I come from that, I guess, expectation of it's got to be me that that makes it. It's got to be me that lifts everybody else up. And I, I have those heavy expectations. And so I think just giving myself permission to not work is sometimes the only thing I need. Um, I, I think it's as simple and as tough as that is, just forcing yourself to take a break. The guilt is still there for a little bit. Uh, you know, I should be doing something. I should be productive. Um, but I, I think it's it's shaking that hustle work mentality and allowing myself that break because once I do, then that's just when the floodgates of ideas open up. I, I, I'm I'm also I'm religious about this um, this little thing called Aqua Notes, and it it sits in your shower and it's waterproof notepad and it comes with like a pencil and everything. And that is where I do also my my best thinking. So if I'm feeling super burnt out, I either hit up the beach or I take a light a nice long hot shower mm -hmm. and I just no electronics and I just allow myself to be bored. And and that's I think where a lot of the I think a lot of my problems sort of arise is that I build it up and I build it up and I think I got to solve it. But sometimes the best thing to do is just take a step back and just let your brain kind of breathe. If that's the right phrase that I'm looking for. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, that's, it's this overstimulation. I think it's twofold. It's this overstimulation of technology that we are mm -hmm. constantly shifting from screen to screen to screen Great to screen. Point. Right. But then there's also this underlying and maybe it's not underlying, but there's this innate need as a woman 
to constantly have to be busy and to constantly have to create and, and work and work and work and work. And then that guilt that you mentioned, I don't think we talk about it enough. Yeah. You know? it's, it's wild. It's, yeah. It, it, it overtakes you at, at times, especially like, cause my dad, um, owns a lawn care company. And so mm. every summer that comes up, it's like another year, another deadline that I have missed because he's, you know, 62 years old and he's out working in, you know, a hundred Florida heat where it's like 110 degrees in the summer. And it just compiles on you. And it just, it sits in the back of your head of that guilt of like, we're not getting there fast enough. And how do we get there faster? And how do we make better decisions? And sometimes it's just taking a step back, just really helps a ton. And even though I still deal with that probably on a daily basis too much, um, I still feel like I'm working towards that goal and I, I will get there one day. It's just not happening fast enough. And I think that's the most frustrating part. Do you think that there is, I mean, there's obviously been this quote unquote rise of women in the trucking industry mm -hmm. in the supply chain space. And you just recently came from Manifest, right? Yes. Okay. So tell me about that. Do you feel like there's a better, stronger community with the women in logistics now? I think that it's definitely, it's tough to recognize in the day to day, because I remember when I would go to conferences uh, originally, and there would be, you know, during the networking breaks or whatever, uh, there would be a line out the men, the men's bathroom, and there'd be no line in the women's bathroom. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic. Because <laughs> any of like the marketing conferences that I've ever been to, the roles are completely reversed, and you're mm -hmm. waiting forever to get into the women's bathroom. But on the, in, for a while there, especially early on, when I got into logistics, it's completely like role reversal. Now, whenever you step in, I mean, you mentioned manifest. It is such an awe-inspiring thing to be in a room of a thousand people and 80% of them are women. And then it's also really inspiring too, to also see the other 20% of men being there and really wanting to know how, th what their role can be in helping to uplift women and help them to be put in a better position to succeed because I still think that you know in the in the common workplace there's still so much work to be done yeah. because our modern work day hasn't really shifted. I mean COVID you know shifted that perception a little bit, but our modern workday has really only been existence for about a hundred years that you know the Henry Ford model of you know you work eight hours and then you have eight hours to sleep and then you have eight hours of a break time in a 24 hour period. But since then I mean we're, we're, we're we've evolved so much where technology can now do a lot of the the, the grunt work that most folks don't want to do. Um, work processes and things that can be optimized and you know other roles like that but there's still such a i think a pressure on women to continue to advance in the workplace but also take care of everything that has to be done at home as well and i think that covid kind of really shined a light on how that just doesn't work and yeah. how you know the decrease in birth rates you know, women are you know consistently being put in this position where they have to make that choice between work or having a family and it no longer can be you know the having doing both at the same time but there are options out there there are solutions that are being built that can facilitate that good work relationship where you don't have to go into the office five days a week where you can 
can show up and work from 10 to 3 and still be able to get your kids off to school. And you can take the maternity leave without feeling guilt. You can take the paternity leave. You can, you know, take that time away without worrying that your job is going to be replaced. So there are still some things that need to be changed, especially within logistics, being it's such a male-dominated industry. But being in a room like that at Manifest was really encouraging because those conversations are happening. Mm -hmm. And those those leaders are then going back to their workplaces and instilling that, hopefully instilling some of those ideas and some of that those changes. Because I, I, I still think that there are there are tons of improvement that needs to be made in just the how we think about our relationship with work. And also how we think about collaboration, right? Because mm -hmm. I think traditionally marketing goes hand in hand with sales. Like we're, we should be in lockstep. For but sure. Are there other departments that you feel like should be partnering better or could benefit from partnering better with a marketing function at an organization? I think, you know, maybe within some of the organization, well, some of the roles, I think, within like freight brokerages, for example, you know, I, any freight brokerage that I walk into, it is very rare that it is dominated by women. I don't know of a single freight brokerage that has, you know, the majority of women are freight brokers. I, I don't know of a single one. I would love to have somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't think that exists. Same. And yeah. I, I think, you know, it, with, when we see women working in this space, it's typically in, uh, it's a, a lack of leadership roles or they're shoved in the accounting department or they are shoved in the marketing department. And I don't mean that as like a slight, but that's typically what's happening at a lot of different freight brokerages is is that's where the women are put. You know, I, 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 in my, the companies that I've worked at and worked for, you know, typically the entire accounting department is all women. You know, they're, they're the checks and balances. They're making sure that stuff is actually getting paid and stuff is actually, you know, operating there. They are the operations department for the company. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, there's still a lot more room to be made with other positions or at least giving women the opportunity to advance in those positions. I don't think that that is, is prevalent enough, but I also don't know if women are also being told that this is, or being given the opportunity to have those positions in the first place. Yeah. Um, I, I think personally, I would much rather be a broker than trying to do math all day. I, am not good at math. <laughs> Godspeed to those who are. And, you know, my accountant and my CPA that keep my business operational because math is not my strongest suit. But if when it comes to like marketing and sales, I just thrive off of it. I, I live off of it. And, and I think that that is where, you know, more women could maybe benefit from exploring those different roles. And I was actually talking to, um, we, we did a podcast earlier today for Ladies Leadership Coalition, which is an all-female logistics podcast uh, within our space. And it's all women leaders from all of these different companies all around the freight brokerage space, and their companies are growing. And I think it's also, the, you know, some of the stats that if you have women within leadership executive roles, not just regular leadership roles, but executive leadership roles, that your company is in incredibly more profitable because of that. So I think it's also in a business's best interest to seek out women who would be good leadership candidates within their own company and at least giving them an opportunity to upskill within the company. And Charlie Safro made it made a great point on the show is that she surveyed all of her employees and found out that three of them are really interested in writing. And those three really want to start creating content. And she would have never expected that. But mm -hmm. now because she had surveyed and simply just asked 
her employees of what they were interested in outside of their typical job role, then now that those those people within the organization are going to be able to have that opportunity to seek those roles and upskill. And I think that that is a new, fresh perspective that should be incorporated at you know every level within the logistics industry, because I think that that's where you'll find a lot more of those opportunities to get women out of the roles that they're typically put in and yep. give them other opportunities to shine in those other roles. And there's so much, quote unquote, hidden talents that I feel like women are really good at keeping inside until they're asked, right? Yes. And so being able to provide that opportunity to say, hey, what, what do you want to do is the first step to understanding, hey, you actually have a team of really awesome writers that you can you can give opportunities to when you see fit. Why not do that? Absolutely. And and that, there, was, there was another story that was brought up at the Manifest uh, Women's Luncheon that women will typically only apply for a job if they fit every single one of the resume or the requirements for the job. And a man will typically apply if he only has about 60% of those skill sets. And so just putting yourself out there and putting that message out there that, hey, this interests me and I want to pursue this is already a step in the right direction. And so I think more companies need to be made aware of that, that, you know, it's just kind of a psychological barrier. But if you just open that up a little bit for your team and for your employees, then they could be shining in so many different areas within your company and not just reserved to an accounting role or just a marketing role. I saw the same set and I couldn't agree more. I've, I've done it myself where I'm like, well, I don't hit this one yeah. point, so let me not apply, you know, and this is obviously pre-transfix, not here. <laughs> but, you know, it's true. You really do think, oh, I have to be perfect. I have to be the perfect candidate. And that yes. is not, that is, that just goes right back to the unfair expectations that we put on ourselves. Yes. 100%. I mean, th that that's exactly, I think it, it ties back into so many other aspects of our lives. Like you, you think you need to be perfect in your home life. And if you're a mom or if you're not a mom, are you a good person? If you make the choice either way, you know, what do you do with your career? Like, what do you do with your family? There's so many different choices and restraints that we put on ourselves and, and we don't necessarily need to. And just hearing about it gives me anxiety. So let, <laughs> let's leave it there. Let's move on. I have one more uh, ask from you. I would love to, if you'll indulge me in a game of speed. This is a new game. Oh, I'm ready for this. On. All right. So I'm going to give you a title in trucking. And I want you to give me your best one-liner to market that role. Are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. I think I am. Okay. <laughs> Confidence. Put the confidence. We just talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> Owner operator, go. Uh, independence and freedom to see the country and call it work. Love that. Dispatcher, go. Ensuring goods get from port to porch. Logistics manager. <laughs> Put, pu putting puzzles together on a day-to-day -day basis. Oh my God, yes. Broker. <laughs> Connecting America's blue collar to America's white collar. Ooh, that's good. Okay, why? <laughs> Shipper executive, hit me. Where leadership and problem solving coexist with the responsibility to be better. Oh my God, we're talking to the expert here. <laughs> Podcaster, go. <laughs> Giving a voice to the folks willing to roll up their sleeves and get in the trenches. Nice. You did it. Oh my God. That was so, uh, you totally beat Thomas Watson. He was the first person that I played this game with. And I oh, wow. No offense to Thomas, but you killed it. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, Thomas is brilliant. I think he's one he of is. the most creative like people in this space. So that, that means a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Blythe, where can everyone find you? I mean, I know, but I'd love for you to share when they, uh, when they're looking to, to follow you. Sure. So you can head on over to everythingislogistics.com. I have all my social media handles there and all of my content, podcasts, email newsletter, all that good stuff. Everythingislogistics.com.
You were such a joy. And thank you so much for just indulging me in this awesome conversation from top to bottom. I feel like we could keep going on, but I also just want to be respectful of your time. Oh, I yeah, please. Here. I mean, you guys are doing a, a great job with your podcast as well. We, we talk about women's and, and the role within the industry, but Transfix is obviously one, one of the few companies that has all of their leadership team or the majority of their leadership team is women. You have a, yeah. a female voice behind the mic of, of the company podcast. Like the, uh, you're already leaps and bounds ahead of not just with in this industry, but but other industries as well. Well, that means a lot coming from you, Blythe. You were awesome. And I hope to welcome you back again on the show. Hell yeah, let's do it. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Transfix Inc. or any parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the participants are affiliated and may have been previously disseminated by them. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are based upon information considered reliable, but neither Transfix Inc. nor its affiliates nor the companies with which the participants are affiliated warrant its completeness or accuracy and it should not be relied upon as such. All views and opinions are subject to change.